Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Minnesota Twins 3, the Cleveland Indians 1. The Minnesota Twins take the first game of the series on a wet, rainy night in the Twin Cities. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it's always a delight to see Shane Bieber pitch. And he was going up against Kenta Maeda, who is arguably the ace of the Minnesota Twins pitching staff. Now, it did not go in the Indians' favor last night. Once again, the offense let down a great starting pitching performance from Shane Bieber. But we'll get into it all of it. We'll talk about some pitching stats. We'll learn a little bit about Kenta Maeda because uh, he might be in contention with Shane Bieber right now for that Cy Young Award. So how did it all go down? Let's take a look at the game summary, at the box score. Let's dig into it and see how it went down. Boy, the Indians just came out with their new lineup. That's right. The Indians have a new lineup. We've been talking about it. We talked about moving Lindor up to the leadoff spot weeks ago. We talked about it yesterday that the lineup has to change. I threw out my prediction, right? I went a little more extreme. I had Mercado batting second. Uh, I dropped Santana down to fifth. I had nowhere else to put Hernandez, so I put him sixth. They did not go as extreme. They moved Lindor up to leadoff. And then they dropped Hernandez to two and Ramirez to three, which is something I actually talked about a few weeks ago when I talked about Lindor should be hitting leadoff for this team. So uh, how would it play out? How would it work out? It's exciting to see that they finally were at least able to able to make a small change to the lineup. Well, his first at bat leading off a game, he lined out sharply to center. So not terrible. I mean, at least he didn't strike out swinging. So that's what Cesar Hernandez did, and Jose Ramirez uh, actually singled in that inning. He had two hits yesterday, and Carlos Santana grounds out. So that's how the Indians start. i got to give credit where credit is due in the bottom of the first because not only can Shane Bieber strike guys out, but Shane Bieber can field his position. Donaldson hits a soft grounder back to him, and he barehands it. He fields it barehanded and throws Donaldson out at first. It's always nice to see a pitcher that can field his position. And giving credit where credit is due, so I don't forget about it, Kenta Maeda also had a great defensive play yesterday. I believe it was Naquin who was up, who hit a grounder down the first base line. And Maeda, he, they were both running hard. And Maeda's only play was to flip it from his glove to Sano at first base. So he scooped it backhand with his glove and in one motion flipped it right over to Sano to get Naquin out at first. It was a bang-bang play, and it was a hell of a play. So uh, it's probably something. I'm guessing that's something Maeda has fooled around with thousand times during spring trainings, during practices, before games, shagging balls. I'm sure he's come up to ground balls before and flipped them with his glove to other people because uh, it felt like he knew exactly what he wanted to do with that thing. The scoring would get going for the Twins in the bottom of the second. And Shane Bieber actually does give up a couple of hits in the second inning over this season so far. And it would happen again here. After Sano flies out, Jake Cave actually doubles to left field. And then Byron Buxton comes up, and Buxton gets a slider that did not slide. 
Bieber threw two of these last night, and he will admit to you that neither of these pitches actually slid. Buxton gets a spinner right down the middle, and he hits a long fly to left field. And the Twins are up 2-0 on Shane Bieber and on this Indians' weak, weak offense. And uh, I don't know exactly what happened. I didn't hear Shane Bieber talk about exactly what happened. When, when a pitcher throws a slider like this that doesn't slide, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's they just didn't lock the grip in. Did they just not get a feel for the seam? Were their mechanics just off for that one pitch? Was it, you know, something about not following through? You know, uh, Carlos Carrasco always talks about finishing his pitches, chest down, finishing his pitches. That's like his mantra. And uh, was that it? Does Shane Bieber just not finish this pitch? And it just left it spinning in the middle of the plate? So, I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear from a pitcher. I'm sure... I'm sure you can get a guy like, uh, uh, what's his name, Trevor Bauer to talk about stuff like this. Uh, what happens when a slider doesn't slide? What happens when a curveball just hangs? Is it is it mechanics in the hand or is it mechanics in the body? Well, either way, he gives up a big home run to Buxton and 2 nothing felt like a lot to overcome. We have to go all the way to the sixth inning before the Indians really start to feel like they're going to put anything together. Now, I tweeted this out yesterday. It was the top of the sixth. We had the top of the lineup coming up against Maida. Lindor was leading off the inning, and it was our third time through the rotation. So a lot are through the batting order. So a lot of times, the third time through the batting order, you can get to a pitcher, right? You've seen him twice now. You know what he's throwing. You know everything he's got in his arsenal. And this is your chance to finally break through on him. Lindor singles. He does a nice, easy swing, singles into right field. It was the kind of leadoff swing that you want to see from Lindor. A good approach at the plate, not trying to do too much with it. Just get hits, man. Just get hits. And he singles. However, Maida was very worried about him stealing and threw over to first base a lot in this at bat. He actually has Cesar Hernandez down in the count 0-2. And keeps throwing over to first base. Eventually gets Lindor hesitating just enough that Sano is able to drop the tag on Lindor. He gets the tag on Lindor's the small of his back before Lindor's hand can get in. Originally called safe on the field. Sano knew it right away. He pointed to the dugout for the challenge. They do challenge it. And the call is overturned. And it was not questionable at all. Lindor was out. So you get the leadoff guy on. You have a chance with the top of your lineup to rally against a guy the third time up. Lindor gets picked off. And the next pitch, Cesar Hernandez strikes out swinging. So it almost felt like a double play right there. It felt like an opportunity in a flash just disappeared. The Twins would threaten in the bottom of the sixth. The bottom of the sixth is another inning where you can get to Shane Bieber. So... This is on Baseball Reference, and Baseball Reference is not great about updating their stats by the next morning, so I'm guessing this doesn't include last night. But in the second inning, batters are actually hitting 212 off Shane Bieber. In the fifth inning, they're hitting 229, and in the sixth inning, they're hitting 200. Every other inning, they're hitting way below 200. In the first inning, guys are hitting 100 off of Shane Bieber. So and he, they, he does give up some hits, in the fifth and sixth inning. Now, his ERA isn't ridiculous. His ERA is actually the highest in the sixth inning at 2.25. I take that back. In the third inning, his ERA is three. So 
He will give up. He now he's given up three runs in the second inning. He's given up. I mean, eight runs total on the season coming in the last night. So he did give up two more runs. So that's five runs he's given up now in the second inning. So uh, the second inning does seem to be a problem for Shane Bieber. And then again in the sixth, you can get to him in the fifth and sixth innings. That second or third time through the lineup. uh, The first time through the lineup, guys are hitting 147 against him. The second time through the lineup, they're hitting 203. And the third time through the lineup, they're hitting 151. So... Apparently, yeah, that's that's how it breaks down by inning, though. The second inning and then the fifth and the sixth, you got to watch out. In the sixth inning here, he dances around some stuff. Donaldson singles. Uh, it was a weak hit ball to third base that Ramirez, even though he came in and barehanded it, he was, even though Donaldson was hurt and he could barely run, they were not going to get him. It was just one of those weird balls that just spins on the infield grass and it's no man's land. Eddie Rosario then singles on a line drive to right field. Donaldson goes up to second. And we've seen Shane Bieber in this situation before. Give up two hits to start an inning, get himself into trouble, and then work himself out of it. He gets Nelson Cruz to pop out to Roberto Perez in foul territory. That's right. Nelson Cruz was up after that. The most dangerous hitter in this Twins lineup, probably. He gets him to pop out with a runner in scoring position. He then gets Miguel Sano to fly out to right field. In foul territory, Tyler Naquin's able to run it down, and then Jake Cave strikes out swinging. He did have the strikeout pitch working last night. Bieber had a total of eight strikeouts on the day. All right, top of the seventh now. Could the Indians do something? Carlos Santana leads off with a walk. That's right, Walk-Tana fans. Carlos Santana continues to lead the league in walks, and then Vermeil Reyes grounds into a double play. Third to second, back to first. Tyler Naquin would then single. Tyler Naquin gets a hit on the board. He singles to right field. There you go, Tyler Naquin. And then Josh Naylor grounds out to end the threat. So we had a chance, but it would all be for not. We really could not get a sustained rally going. I mean, I'm I'm picking at straws here. These are not rallies I'm telling you guys about. These are basically all the offense could do last night. Get a runner to first base, and then something terrible would happen. In the seventh inning, it looks like Shane Bieber is going to cruise through the seventh inning, but then he throws another slider that doesn't slide to Ryan Jeffers. And Ryan Jeffers hits a monster home run to left field. Who the heck is Ryan Jeffers? He's their catcher. He's batting ninth in their lineup. He's 23 years old. Is this his rookie season? Yeah, this is his rookie season for the Twins. Um, Man, he's hitting 289 on the season with an 820 OPS, so... And he might be a catcher for the future. We might see Jeffers around for a while, but it's his second home run of the season. And when you throw sliders that don't slide and you leave them sitting right in the middle of the plate, bad things will happen. So basically two bad pitches from Shane Bieber last night, three nothing Minnesota twins. And if two nothing felt like a big hill to climb, three nothing felt like a mountain. Uh, the way the Indians were playing on offense. Things get a little crazy in the eighth inning because Sergio Romo comes in to pitch, and Romo and the Indians' dugout have a thing going this season. The first time we faced Romo, he uh, he got into a huge bickering match with Lindor, and they were chirping each other from the dugouts. He was still chirping when he got back to his dugout. Even his own teammates were looking at him a little crazy. The next time Sano, uh, Sergio Romo faced the Indians, they crushed him. They beat up on him at the up at the plate. 
and uh, kind of got their revenge. Well, last night, Romo took the next win. If this were a boxing match, Romo took round three, and uh, he has a clean inning. He gets Roberto Perez to ground out. He gets the line out of Shields to fly out, and then he gets Francisco Lindor to fly out to left. But to be honest, the cameras didn't even follow the ball because all they cared about was Lindor and Romo yelling at each other and Lindor's basically challenging him all the way down to first base. Romo won't shut up. Uh, as soon as Lindor touches first base, they come at each other. Sano steps in front of him. The first base coach for the Indians gets in between them. And basically the twins teammates drag Sergio Romo back to their dugout. And they're like, what are you doing, dude? Like, don't pick a fight with Lindor. They even came up to Lindor and were like, Hey man, we good. So, uh, I think Romo has a thing for the Indians more than the Indians have a thing for Romo. So uh, they had to, like, take him down into the tunnel. So we will see. That might be one of the best soap operas going in professional baseball right now. Sergio Romo versus the entire Indians dugout. And I think Lindor is really the target of, uh, of most of his chirping. So... I mean, we still have two more games in this series, so there's a chance we'll see Sergio Romo again. So pay attention to that this weekend. Hey, for the Indians, James Karinchak came in and pitched an eighth inning. I know we were down 3 nothing. Clearly, they're not putting Karinchak in high-pressure situations right now, but he gets Josh Donaldson looking, he gets Eddie Rosario swinging, and he gets Nelson Cruz swinging. So James Karinchak may have found himself again. So I think it's time to get him back into high leverage spots. Maybe, I know it sounds crazy, but maybe this offense can have a lead going into late innings. Maybe we can score some runs the rest of this weekend, and Karen Check will get a chance to pitch in a high leverage situation. 14 pitches, 10 for strikes, one inning pitch, three strikeouts. That's a pretty good look for a relief pitcher. In the ninth inning, we would finally score some runs. Now, last night when we almost got or two nights ago when we almost got no hit, it was against Matt Harvey. And Matt Harvey, like we said, should not be pitching in Major League games right now. However, this was against the Twins' closer, Taylor Rogers. He gets Cesar Hernandez to fly out to right, and then Jose Ramirez hits a big home run to left center field. Jose Ramirez absolutely annihilated this ball. It's good to see his home run, home run swing, especially from the right side. That's the side where his hand's feeling okay. He can swing from the right side, he says. So he hits a big home run, puts the Indians on the board. It's 3-1 to one Twins, and uh, it's his 10th home run on the season. Santana would ground out, but then Fermil Reyes would actually drop a double down the right field line. And when I say drop it down the line, it was down the line. And uh, he's in the second with a double. So that brings the winning run or the tying run to the plate. We had a chance. They pinch hit Oscar Mercado for Tyler Naquin because Taylor Roger is is a lefty. Mercado unfortunately grounds out right back to the pitcher. It's a tough spot for him to have to come into, and he can't do anything with the moment. So that would be your final three to one Twins. Looking at the box score, Jose Ramirez is the only one with a multi-hit game. Uh. The Indians would strike out seven times, only two walks. So even being patient, even they couldn't draw walks last night. Six hits for the Indians, only five hits for the Twins, but the two home runs would be enough damage. And the Indians were 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. If you can't get a guy in a scoring position to at least screw up the at-bat. I mean, we couldn't even do that 
Um, you know, it, it was pretty pretty pathetic offensively for the Indians offense. And that feels like two, it's two games in a row that we've pre- been pretty much non-existent at the plate. Bieber does go seven innings, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, and eight strikeouts, but gives up the two home runs. He moves to seven and one on the season. That's right. He takes his first loss for Maida. He moves to five and one on the season, seven innings for him, four hits, no earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts for him. So Maida is really kind of challenging Shane Bieber right now, I think, for the Cy Young Award. And uh, MVP for a day, I'm going with Shane Bieber here. It's a quality start for him. I know he takes a loss, but Shane Bieber was pitching really good last night. He finally found his curveball around the middle of the game, and he started striking dudes out with it. The fastball was there for him all night. So eight strikeouts. It was a good pitching performance from Shane Bieber. I mean, Bieber versus Kenta Maeda, it was kind of as advertised. It was a pitching duel that went all the way through the seventh inning. And Maida got the better of him last night. That's just, hey, head. I mean, in this short and condensed season, I wonder if head-to-head matchups will actually come into play when it comes to some of this award voting. So speaking of that, uh, looking at the MLB totals, MLB does update their stats right away. So Bieber still leads the league in wins. He's got seven wins. You Darvish and Zach Davies over in the NL side also have seven wins. Bieber is still leading the league in ERA by a wide margin. He's at 1.53 ERA. The next is Jacob deGrom at 1.67, and then Trevor Bauer at 1.74. Kenton Maeda's ERA is a little bit high. It's 2.43. He's he's maybe been hit around a little bit more than Shane Bieber. Bieber also, I believe, leads the league in innings pitched. Yes, he does at 64 and two-thirds inning pitch, just to pass Lance Lynn, who was at 64 and one-third inning pitch. So those two are going back and forth for that. How about strikeouts, though? Oh, yeah. This is insane. Bieber is at 102 strikeouts. The next closest is Lucas Giolito at 82 and Garrett Cole at 79. And they've had the same amount of starts. They All three have thrown 10 starts. So it's not even that you could say Bieber's been one start ahead of them. Uh, Bieber passed 100 strikeouts last night. I think it was the quickest to 100 strikeouts in Major League history in the modern era. Uh, I think Mandy Bell tweeted that out last night and had it in her game article. So Bieber is on a strikeout tear, on a strikeout pace that has not been seen in the 1900s or in the 20th or 21st century. All right, what about whip? Now, whip is a good stat here. Walks, hits per inning pitched. It's a good measure of a pitcher. Guess what? Kenta Maeda is leading the league in whip. He's at 0.74 walks, hits per inning pitched. Shane Bieber actually comes in third. Trevor Bauer is second at 0.79. Bieber is at 0.87. He does walk a few more guys than Kenta Maeda. Kenta Maeda has walked 10. Bieber has walked 16. Batting average against. Maeda has him beat again here. Uh, Shane Bieber actually comes in fifth at 174 batting average against. Corbin Burns in Milwaukee is leading the league at a hundred uh one at point one four two batting average against. So Maeda is third with one point five or point one five eight. So there are your Trevor Bauer and Jacob Degrom mixed in there too. There's your top five in 
batting average against. Let's look at some of the expanded stats because we get into some percentages here. Strikeouts per nine innings, it's Shane Bieber by a wide margin, 14.2. The next closest is DeGrom at 13.7. Shane Bieber is averaging one more, almost over a full strikeout more a game than anybody else in baseball right now. Batting average balls in play. Now, this one is an interesting stat. Bap, bip. Batting average balls in play measure a pitcher's batting average against exclusively balls that are put into the playing field, removing outcomes not affected by the defense, namely home runs and strikeouts. So these are things, anything hit to a fielder. Kenta Maeda is actually leading the league at Uh, I don't even see Shane Bieber on this list. 25th in the league in BAPIP at .279, which means, number one, there's luck, and number two, there's good defense, right? That's the two things that this kind of measures. Like, if balls are getting hit right at guys, that's the luck side of it, right? If your defense is just playing fantastic and sucking up everything hit into the field, that's the good defensive side of it. So Maeda is destroying the league in BAPIP. He's the only one under 200 in BAPIP. So... Interesting stat. I, I think Kenta Maeda does have an argument to definitely be in the conversation for the Cy Young Award with Shane Bieber. So we'll see. There's still a few more starts before the season's over. Who is Kenta Maeda? Where did you know where did he come from? Uh, well, he originally came from Japan. He actually pitched for many seasons in Japan. He started his professional career in. 2007, uh, his rookie season was 2008 in Japan, and he actually won uh, some pitching awards in Japan. He won the Sawamura Award, which is the uh, honor bestowed upon the top pitcher in baseball for the Nippon Professional League. So basically the Cy Young Award. He won it in 2010 and 2015 over there in Japan. He comes over to the Dodgers in 2016. He signed an eight-year, $25 million contract with the Dodgers, but there were incentives there. There were tons of incentives for starts, for innings pitch, that would boost the total contract to $90.2 million. So that's a strange deal that he signs there with the Dodgers. And his career with the Dodgers, he bounces back and forth a lot between starting and the bullpen. In 2016, he's a pretty regular starter for them, pitches really well. But then 2017, 2018, and 2019, he starts as a starter and ends up in the bullpen every season. So, I mean, sometimes it's a situation where the Dodgers had too many starters on the roster and they just needed a spot for him. Other times he struggled a little bit at the beginning of the season, pitched great out of the bullpen. I don't know why, but in February, they decided to trade him to the Minnesota Twins for Bruzdar Gradial. I believe he's a relief pitcher. Yeah, he's a professional professional baseball pitcher, according to Wikipedia. I love the way they classify that. Uh, Luke Rayleigh, who's a minor league player and a draft pick. So that's what the Twins had to give up, a relief pitcher, a minor leaguer, and a draft pick to get Maeda. And all of a sudden, he turns into the Twins' ace. I mean, out of nowhere. He is definitely pitching better than he had ever pitched before for the Twins. Now, it's going to be a little hard because 
obviously we're never going to get up to the innings pitched in his others. You know, the game started in his other seasons. Um, so his like his war I, war is a cumulative thing. So his war isn't going to be as high as other seasons. But he has the best ERA of his career at two point four three. Uh, it's his first time under three for an ERA. It's his best since his rookie season with the Dodgers, his major league rookie season. His FIP, his field independent pitching. This is the opposite of BAPDIP. This is all the things the pitcher can control. Strikeouts, home runs, walks. So it's a good measure. It also looks similar to an ERA. It's designed to look similar to an ERA. And again, this is his first time under three. His FIP is a 2.87. So he is pitching the best of his career right now. His only season... That he did better in strikeouts was in 2018. He had 10.99 strikeouts per nine innings, almost 11 strikeouts per nine innings. This year, he's at 10.19. It's his second season being over 10 strikeouts per nine innings, and his walks are down. It's his first season being under two walks per nine innings. He's at 1.62. So definitely, this is the best season from Kenta Maeda so far in his major league career. So... We will see how the rest of this season finishes out. Uh, And we saw firsthand, this is actually our third time facing him, and he's been pretty consistent. The pitches that he throws against us have been consistent. He mixes in fastballs with sliders, uh, just a few curveballs, and uh, 25% changeups. It's consistent with the other two times that we faced him in this season. A little heavier on the fastball than he had been in his first two starts against us. And I think he throws two types of fastballs there. I think he does throw a four-seam and a two-seam. I think I was reading the plate discipline numbers. Um, We actually actually did okay against him last night in the plate discipline numbers. We were making more contact than our last two starts. We were at 74% contact last night on all our swings. Last time we faced him, we were at 64% contact. The first time we faced him, we were 59% contact. So we were definitely making more contact against him last night. However, wasn't turning into success. Now, one more number I wanted to look at because it feels like, it really feels like the Indians are striking out looking, especially last night. It just felt like we were striking out looking a ton. And I was like, I was wondering, are the Indians leading the league in strikeouts looking? Like, is that a stat that's actually available? I found it on Baseball Reference. I had to dig deep on Baseball Reference to find it, but I found it here. And uh, again, I'm guessing this is probably not updated. I'll refresh the page one time. But I'm guessing this is not updated from last night. Oh, no, it is. All right, we're updated now because uh, the LA Angels are leading the league at 113 strikeouts looking. The Indians come in at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th in the league. They've only struck out looking 93 times. They've struck out swinging 297 times. So the strikeout looking percentages, the percentage of all strikeouts that we're looking, the leader in the clubhouse is the Angels. The Indians come come in around the middle of the pack. They're averaging 23.8% of their strikeouts are strikeouts looking. So they're middle of the league. They're middle of the road as far as that goes. So it's not as bad as I thought it was. It still feels like we are striking out looking a lot. So 
That's everything that went down yesterday. It was another ugly game for the Indians. Makes two ugly games in a row for the Indians. We're actually, I mean, this is, in a shortened season, this is brutal. We are on a four-game losing streak. We're two and a half games behind the White Sox right now. We still have plenty of probability of making the playoffs. We're still probably in, let's see where we are in those postseason standings. Yeah, we're in the seventh spot. We've got a two-game lead on the Yankees for the eighth spot and a, probably a five-game lead there on the Orioles, who are who are in the ninth spot for a playoff position. The Tigers, tied with the Tigers there, in the ninth spot for a playoff position. So we're still probably making the playoffs, but... You know, a lot of comments coming from the Indians have been just like, well, you know, we just got to get to the playoffs, right? We just got to get it, make, be one of those teams, and then anything can happen. Well, it doesn't feel like it right now. With the offense the way it is, it does not feel like it. We need some consistency from this offense. Can we, can we score two runs? Can we score three runs and give this starting pitching, the best starting pitching in baseball, a chance? They made a change to the lineup finally last night, and I tweeted this out. You finally showed the ability to make a change to the lineup. Now you need to change your approach. Because whatever approach the Indians or hitters are taking at the plate, it's not working. So if that means we have to get more aggressive, if that means we have to get more patient, that's up to the Indians. Sit down with the tape, decide what you want to do, but make a change. Make a change that we can notice. We want to see this Indians offense. We know these players have talent. And I've seen Indians Twitter get really mad and really frustrated. And what's the point? What's the point of getting that mad? The point of baseball is it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be America's pastime. It's a fun sport. And it doesn't look like the Indians players are having much fun right now. And it doesn't look like the Indians fans are having much fun right now. So I joked yesterday on Twitter that... uh, I think uh, Tom Withers said that the Indians needed a rally. I, I joked they needed a rainout. If you remember the great baseball movie Bull Durham, the guys are struggling. They're in a slump, and they're like they're talking about man. You know, we need. I think they see some girls walking, and they're like, we need that. And uh, Crash is like, I know what we need. Or one of the other guy goes, I know what we need. We need a rainout. And he goes, I can get you a rainout. And what do they do? They go, they turn the sprinklers on in the field, they destroy the field, and they get themselves a rainout. I felt that's like what the Indians needed. They actually needed that game yesterday to be rained out. They needed a break and a chance to regroup and remember that this game is supposed to be fun. And uh, so we need to bring back the drumming and the dugout. We need to bring back the dancing. We need to bring back the fun. So Indians players, if you're listening to me, Bring back the fun. Indians Twitter, if you're listening to me, chill, relax. It's baseball. There's no reason to get this angry about it. All right. Those are my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final last night from Minnesota. It's the Twins 3, the Indians 1. They got Rich Hill going tomorrow, and we got Plesak going. So we'll see if Plesak can continue to dominate the way he has been since he's come back from purgatory. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.